Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. I'm super excited to be here this morning. It's been a long week, uh, obviously. Um, in summertime, camp is a long week, or just a busy week, I guess. Then the week before and the week of VBS is always just busy. And uh, so this week's been full of VBS prep week. Um, we've been building the set. We've been getting crafts together. We've been having lots of helpers, and uh, there's too many to call out. Um, if I do, I'll forget someone, and then I'm in trouble. So I just won't do that. Um, but I know we've had a lot of help with building our castle, building our lollipops, doing the crafts, getting registration together, um, decorating, um, helping watch kids, because a lot of our helpers have children. So I think at one point we had uh, at least three toddlers run around a little fence inside the youth building to keep them from, like, not getting cut by box cutters because we were cutting up cardboard and, well, uh, a hurt kid would be real bad uh, for VBS. But I'm excited um, to talk about VBS. So I thought what we would do this morning is I would do an overview of what we're going to learn about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I hope you will join us Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for um, VBS. We do have an adult class. We have some awesome speakers and uh, lined up, so um, please make plans to attend that. But as I was getting this theme together and thinking about how we can be more like Jesus, um, one of the things, Wizard of Oz popped in my head for some reason. Uh, now, just out of curiosity, how many of you have seen the movie Wizard of Oz? So a lot of us. When we were building the set, uh, several people were like, you know, I actually haven't watched Wizard of Oz before, which was really surprising to me. And then some said, I haven't seen it from start to finish. Now, that might be a totally different story. Um, but I remember as a kid, I would watch it a little bit. And I actually remember one of my first nightmares. This is totally irrelevant to what we're talking about today. But I remember uh, when I was little, I dreamed that the evil witch stole my cat. Instead of, you know, the witch in the movie saying, I'm going to come after your little dog too. Uh, I, dream I had a nightmare when I was like three years old that the, that the witch stole my cat at the checkout line at the grocery store. And I was terrified because then you know, I liked my little cat. And, um, but that's, you know, we all have memories for different reasons. Maybe that's why I thought of Wizard of Oz so much because it's somewhere subconsciously in my brain all the time. But Wizard of Oz is full of weird characters. You know, you have flying monkeys. You have the evil and good witch. You have these loony characters, these munchkins, which make me feel like I'm not alone. Then you got the, the guy behind the, the, the curtain. You have uh, all sorts of weird characters. You even have uh, one of my favorites are the guards at the, the castle. And they're saying, you know, the O-E-O or whatever they're saying. I really thought when I was little that they were saying Oreo because Oreos are awesome. But um, there are all kinds of weird characters, but then you have your main characters. You have Dorothy, who's been transported to the land of Oz. Then you have the lion, the tin man, and the scarecrow. 
And there are so many lessons we can learn from those characters that we can use as illustrations to apply to really biblical principles. And one of them is just the need to be together. Because apart, Dorothy was lost. She didn't know what was going on. And, uh, and then, of course, the lion, what was his issue? Well, he, he needed courage. The tin man said, well, I don't have a heart. The scarecrow said, I don't have a brain. Well, let's go to the Emerald City together and let's figure out how we can get what we need. Dorothy wants to go home and always wants to go home the whole movie. And uh, so they travel together and wouldn't you believe it? They're stronger together. Those are biblical principles throughout the whole Bible that when together, we're stronger. I'm reminded of Galatians. Let's see. Oh, maybe. Yeah, there we go. Galatians 6, verse 2, when Paul said, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What did those characters do together? They said, we have problems. You know, the funny part is what? You know, they all, in the end, they already had what they needed. But it was one of those, well, I need courage. Well, I need, a, I need a, a heart. I need a brain. I need to go home. But together, they bore one another's burdens. They worked together. And throughout the whole movie, they got stronger. They faced different trials and temptations. The, the, the evil people were trying to stop them. They had all these encounters, but they stuck together. And together, they were stronger, which is just what Solomon said. And the wisest man to ever live, Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, wrote this. He said this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift him. One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So let's go back. We're seeing this, and what's real important is that Solomon, again, the wisest man to ever live, is sharing us one of the necessary things about why God created us. This passage just screams work together. This passage just screams help each other, love each other. And Solomon says, you know, when you're by yourself, it's not great. He says, but when you're, when you're together, when you have more than one, he goes, they have good reward for their work, for their toil. Because what, if one falls down, there's someone there to help them up. I think of those old uh, little button commercials when I help a fallen and I can't get up. They're super corny, super cheesy, but they got, they got the message across. If you're by yourself and you fall, what are you going to do? And here Solomon says, when you're going through life, if you try to do life by yourself and you mess up, who's going to help you up? Who's going to assist you? Who's going to encourage you to keep on you know, pushing on and try to, to be faithful here? Then he says, and then, if two lie together, they keep warm. When you're together, life's just easier. When you're together, you can withstand different trials, different temptations. And then he goes on to say, and then when you're together, you'll, you can withstand really anything. Now, obviously, these are general truths like Proverbs. You know, obviously, that also means that the three together all have to be on the same page. You all have to be working for the same goal. Our goal is to please God, to be more like Jesus, and to help save the lost. Now, we don't do the saving, but we help bring others to the cross. So here we have the wisest man to ever live giving us instructions on the importance of togetherness. And life's hard. 
We can try to do life by ourselves all we want, and it's not going to work out for us. When, we, when I try to do life by myself, it doesn't work out. Now, there's a song I like to listen to by, by a, a, a Christian contemporary band, and they have some lyrics about um, banging my head against a wall and so hard I knocked it down. Well, sometimes I feel like I can do that. Later in the song, they say, I banged my head against a wall so hard I, I got knocked out. Sometimes I feel like that's me. I'm trying to do life by myself, and I end up just suffering because of it. But we have really a few options when it comes to following this Ecclesiastes passage. Hit the wrong button. When it becomes being together, traveling through life together, and then, of course, this passage at the very end, two will stand him, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A few options. We can either passively decide to not be connected to the body. You can say, thanks, no thanks, I'm going to do life by myself. But I'm not going to cause problems, but I'm just not going to help. That's one option. The other option is to directly cause disunity. We can be bitter. We can complain. We can actively try to stop what's going on. We can actively become problems and say, you know what? I don't want to work with you. I don't like you. I'm going to do things my way. We all like to do things our way. We all like our preferences. And there's nothing wrong with preference as long as it doesn't get in the way of God's commandments. Then we have the third option. third option is to do what Solomon said. To walk side by side, to help one another, to fight with one another against things that are ungodly, and to stand together for truth. To stand together in the way of the Lord. And we know what the right attitude is. We know it's not right to even passively say, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm just going to show up, but I'm not really going to be connected to the body. We know that's a bad attitude. We also know a bad attitude is to directly cause disunity, to directly cause problems, to complain. You know, we're told in the Bible, do all things without grumbling and complaining. We're told to do that. We know that's a bad attitude. So we know the right attitude is to do what Solomon said, the wisest man to ever live, who had wisdom from God. These scriptures that are inspired by God to go back to the Galatians passage, to bear one another's burdens. That requires two things, and I've said this to you before, I believe. I've said it to our teenagers. That requires us to be willing to help someone, but that also requires us to allow others to help us. I had a, uh, you know, we have to allow them to share our burdens. I have to allow someone to carry my burden sometimes. I have to be humble enough to do that. But that means we have to be working together. And really, only one man did that perfectly. One man perfected the way to live, and that was Jesus. Jesus showed us exactly how to live. So this whole week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to learn how we can be more like Jesus using life lessons from Wizard of Oz. That sounds weird, but that's what we're going to be doing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm reminded of this passage in 1 Peter 2, one of my favorite passages, because our goal is, again, to be more like Jesus, to serve His people, love His people, and then to seek and, and to bring others to the cross, bring the lost to Jesus. And Jesus perfected that. 1 Peter 2, Peter said, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in His steps. I love this passage. Every time I think of this passage, I think of snow. Uh, in Baton Rouge, we had no snow. Um, the one time it snowed in my, I think it maybe twice it snowed in my lifetime in Baton Rouge. Once I was too young to remember, 
supposedly I was brought out, woken up in the middle of the night when I was a baby to be like, look, snow. Uh, I don't remember that. The other time, uh, I was in Freed Hardman when it snowed, so I missed it. Um, but in Kentucky, when I lived there, we got at least one good snow a year. When I say one good snow, snow you could actually do stuff with, you could play in. You could make a snowman, you could go out there. We had ice, we had snow stuff, and then turned to ice the next day where roads were awful. But we got about one good snow a year, and I always dreamed of being, of being able to to have that father-son moment. And I think of this when I read this passage, where you have the dad walking in snow and the big footprints going in the snow, and the little kid behind the dad, maybe the little daughter behind the dad, trying to jump from, from footprint to footprint to follow their, their dad's footprints. I was like, that would be so cool. That memory would be so fun. Uh, you can't really do that in grass. I mean, they, but the next close thing is just watching your, your toddler, your child imitate you Sometimes, one, it can be scary, and you realize, oh, I need to stop doing some things. But on the good things, when it's intentional and you're getting them to, to imitate you, it's a fun experience. And, uh, but I always, and maybe we'll have a good snow. I like snow. I like the cold. So you can judge me all you want, but maybe we'll have a good snow this next winter here, and then Kaysen and I and can, can go chase each other's footprints in the snow. But I think of this because this is exactly what Peter is saying. He says, it's your job. Here's why Christ suffered for you. Here's why he lived the life he did, so you could follow in his footsteps. And it's not saying, oh, I'll be right next to him, or I'll be just a little bit off. This imagery that I'm getting is I'm making sure my heel and my, and my toes are right in line where you can't tell there's two people walking. I'm supposed to be following Christ so closely, there's just one set of footprints. Now, that's really hard to do, but it's what we've been commanded to do. And every time I read this, I say, I want to be following Jesus so intently, so passionately, and also, like as a kid, so joyfully that it's all, it's, it's, what, it's what drives me. It's what gives me strength. It's what gives me purpose in life. But as we continue talking about being more like Jesus, I think that we can take the lion the tin man and the scarecrow, and, and say what they wanted is what we need too as Christians. So the lion needed courage, the tin man needed a heart, and the scarecrow needed a brain. Now I'm sure you're wondering, well, okay, I, I, I follow you on the, the courage, I follow you on the heart, well, what's the brain thing? Well, what we'll be doing is we're looking at, at, at these characters by saying we need to trust God, to have the courage and trust God, we need to have a heart like Jesus if we want to be Jesus, that servant-type heart. And then for the brain, well, I think that just really ties into obedience. In order for us to be more like Jesus, we also have to obey Jesus. And we have to obey the Father. So here we are. First one is trusting in God. We need to be, at least have the desire that the lion had. Say, I want courage. I want bravery. I want to trust. See, life's hard. And sometimes we go through life, and there's things that are scary. Following God is not always easy. And sometimes we have no idea what's going on. And, I'm, and what I mean by that is we, we might read Scripture and say, well, I conceptually understand that I have to do this, but why? Or I conceptually understand that I have to do this, but that's hard or that's scary. Or maybe we have a temptation that we just can't seem to beat. Or maybe we're going through a life trial. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe we have an illness. Maybe we have a, a job 
changed. Maybe we've moved. Maybe there's something that's making life hard. It's hard to remain faithful. It's hard to understand why sometimes. But trusting in God is exactly what we need to do. In Proverbs 3, again, um, this is what we see here. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your bones, or sorry, healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Again, one of the wisest men to ever live is saying, here's some really great advice for life. Just trust God. Now that's super easy to say, but it's a lot harder to live out. Because to a lot of us, we, we pride ourselves on our intellect and understanding. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Because there's going to be times in life that it's not going to get you very far. There's going to be times in life that you may not really understand. And then I love around that verse um, 7. My verses aren't on the screen. Uh, I like each one. Verse 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Sometimes what I think's right isn't right. Sometimes the way I think is the right way to do it isn't the right way to do it. But we all, we all like that. We all like to be right. And here Solomon's reminding us that we're not always right. That God, the creator of the universe, has all the answers. And there's a character in the Bible who didn't quite understand that. Uh, Job. Uh, I love Job. It's a great book, great study. Sometimes we're either too easy on Job or we're too hard on Job. Uh, a lot of times we'll say, well, Job was faithful. He never lost faith in God. He trusted God all the time. And then sometimes we'll say, well, Job questioned God, and that was awful. And we can't question God. Well, there's room for somewhere in that middle. See, Job, when he was going through all this suffering, there was a time when Job said, God, I know how I've been living. I don't deserve this. And this isn't just, and you're not being fair. He didn't lose faith in God. He didn't lose his belief in God. He never cursed God like his wife told him. But he questioned God's justness. Now we can say, well, that's terrible. You shouldn't do that. But he was being honest with God saying, help me understand. This doesn't make any sense. This isn't fair. And that's when God asked those impossible questions and said, oh, if you think you know everything, how about you answer all these questions? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And Job quickly went, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I've spoken too soon. And then God again asked all those questions. God again. This, and then let's take that story, that encounter at the end of Job, and apply that to this passage. Trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding. See, Job and his friends had a misunderstanding of justice. They thought if you did good things, good things happened. If you did bad things, bad things happened. But we know that that's not the way life works. In fact, Jesus, and I love this how Matthew pointed this out. I've always you know, let our, our, our kids know this too. The wise man and the foolish man song. Well, a storm came on both houses. Both people endured a storm. So storms aren't going to, to go away when we trust in the Lord. But perhaps that trust will be tested when we encounter those storms. And we may, we may not understand why the storm's happening. And maybe we will. Maybe we'll find out one day. But the important thing is that we have the bravery, we have the courage to trust in God. Now let's move on to the tin man. Tin man... It's all about having the heart. And for us, this week, we'll be you know, on Tuesday, we'll learn about having a heart like Jesus. 
Uh, I'm not sure what our adults will be digging down deeper into with that lesson. I know our kids are looking at when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Jesus had a servant-like heart. In fact, we have this one, this passage here. Even as Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. And if we want to be like Jesus, we have to have his heart. And his heart wasn't just a heart of obedience to God. It wasn't just a a service to his disciples. But on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He died for those who were persecuting him, those who were crucifying him. In fact, it was his servant-like heart that allowed him to go to the cross. It's not always easy to serve others. It's not always, even when they're nice, but especially when they're, they're mistreating us. But having a heart like Jesus is, is required for us to be transformed. Uh, I know um, in our teenage class uh, Wednesday, we had Will Sharp with us from uh, Tuscaloosa. He's the campus minister at, um, for Tides for Christ at Central Church of Christ down there uh, doing campus ministry. But one of the big points he drove home was the word morph and morphing into this life with Jesus. And that's super important, but in order for us to have that transformation take place, when people look at us, they, they shouldn't see, when they look at me, they shouldn't see Jonathan. When they go you, they shouldn't say, fill in your name. But they should see Jesus. They should say, there's something different about you. What's in our heart will eventually come out. What's in our heart will eventually be evident in our lives. And having a servant-like heart is essential to being more like Jesus. But then learning to obey. In my notes, I have study and obey the Scripture. But that's how I, I think about the scarecrow in his brain. Because sometimes we have, because to obey is a conscious decision to obey. Now, there's a song I listen to, um, and in one of the lyrics, it says, you can't learn to tell the truth until you learn to lie. And me and my dad had a huge discussion about that. He thought it was wrong. I thought it was right. Um, I'm right, by the way. Um, but um, the whole thing with that is you really don't know you have an option to lie, when you, at least at certain ages. We can say, oh, our kid's not telling the truth. But when you learn there's a difference between lying and telling the truth, you now have a choice. When you're too young to understand, I can actually now lie intently. Well, now you're learning that you have an option whether or not you're going to tell the truth. When you learn, when you get to an age, whatever age that might be through your maturity, that you decide, I have an option to obey or to disobey. Like our toddlers, they don't always obey us, but they don't, they're just trying to figure out life. Like Kaysen, when he, I say, don't hit your head, and he hits his head, he's not being like, oh, I'm making a choice to disobey you. He doesn't understand right and wrong here. But when we learn, there's that difference. That's why I have learning to obey. It's that, that brains, we're making that conscious decision that I'm going to live this way versus this way. Love is not a feeling. I know that we've had that discussion before. Love is, an, is a decision. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, all those things are not natural feelings. When you read scripture, they're not just, they don't come naturally. They're not, being like Jesus isn't a natural way of living. The natural way of living is I'm going to live for myself. I'm a human being. I'm a selfish human being, and I want to do things my way. But if we want to be like Jesus, we have to learn to obey 
in Philippians 2, I just took this one little part out, but this whole section is so beautiful to look at. But just zeroing down in verse 8, when it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I imagine it was hard for Jesus to be obedient. We can say, oh, he's the creator of the universe. Those things come naturally to him. Well, when he was in human form, he, he was tempted the way we are, Hebrews tells us. He experienced the things we experience. He felt pain just like we feel pain. And I imagine when he came on this earth, imagine it's one thing as a parent when you have children disrespect you. It's one thing when you're a teacher and you have children disrespect you. But when the creator of the universe is disrespected, is mocked, is spat upon, I would imagine it would be very difficult not to respond. I would imagine it would be very difficult because Jesus knew his purpose in life. His purpose of coming on the earth was, one, to serve, but it was to save the lost by doing what? Oh, I almost dropped my iPad. Was to be obedient to the point of death on a cross because that was the sacrifice that was going to bridge the gap between God and mankind so we could live with him forever one day. He knew where he was going from the very beginning. And I would imagine after being mocked, ridiculed, beaten, spat upon, uh, tortured, it would be very easy to say, you guys aren't worth it. I'm done. But he remained obedient. And that comes from that heart. But it also becomes that choice to say, I'm going to obey the Heavenly Father above all things. And we're going to have things in life where it's going to be hard to obey what we need to obey. There's scriptures that are hard to fulfill. One of them being, love your enemies. He goes, you've heard it say, do this and this, but I say, love your enemies. That's hard. I tell you, it's a whole lot harder to do that one than it is to do some other commandments. But we're called to study the scriptures, to obey the scriptures, because that's what it takes to be more like Jesus. So as we learn to be more like Jesus from these characters and their pursuit to have courage, to have a heart, and to have a brain, let's strive for those same things. Let's strive to have trust in God. Let's strive to have a heart like Jesus. And let's strive to have that obedience even when it's difficult. And ultimately, we need to remember really who and whose we are. I've said that before. It's one of things that I try to remind myself to, especially when I, I have a temptation to respond a certain way when things get hard or when someone makes me mad. I have to remind myself who I am and, and whose I am. Uh, Paul wrote in Galatians, I don't think I have this on this thing. Nope. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we made the decision to become a Christian, we said, it's no longer my life I'm living. It's no longer the way I want to live anymore, but it's now what? Christ who lives in me. There is beyond the azure blue, a God concealed from human sight. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, 
We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is inspired.